Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Drivers, start your engines! Get the pace car! What for? Because you hit any other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. It's him. He talks to me. Good evening, race fans. Welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network, and welcome to the Drafting the Circuits program uh, brought to you by Dan Blay Racing Art and by Legend of the First Super Speedway. Uh, joining me in the studio, Richard Uden, Louise Torres. Fellas, how are we doing tonight? Doing good, thank you. We're doing good. Doing not too, not too bad. Do, doing not too bad. Okay, all right. You used a lot of extra words to say doing good. So, <laughs> I don't anyways, know. I always do it anyway. Yeah, I know, Louise. That's why I love you, man. Um, but when it, pretty quiet weekend in racing with it being Easter Sunday, although NASCAR did race on Easter, which is true the ire of some people that uh, don't believe NASCAR should be racing on Easter Sunday, you know, mainly your religious folks. But to their credit, I mean, they 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 started the race in, in the evening at 7 p.m. And Easter, you know, much like Christmas is a holiday where most of your celebration kind of things are done in the morning and uh, uh you know and have a nice brunch so uh i didn't see it as a huge issue there were uh, plenty of folks there in the stands that didn't seem to see it as a huge issue they spent their easter evening at bristol where they covered it with dirt and personally uh, where last year's race was was a mess uh i thought they did a much better job this year with the track surface and um they had a couple of rain delays, but it was rain delays rather, but it was pretty amazing how quickly they were ready to, to get that track ready to go racing. Again, there are two different occasions. I thought for sure they were going to call the race and we were going to be done, but we went ahead and went the full distance, which is um, 133 miles, 250 laps. And at the end of the day, it was Kyle Busch sneaking the win from young Tyler Reddick, who was Reddick was great the last um, stage of the race, but he, uh, um, got into a little bit of trouble from trying to trying to maintain that position. And who was it to come up behind him? See, now I, I draw yeah, black. Drop had, a, had a little bit of trouble because Chase Briscoe was hunting him Chase, down. Yeah, Chase Briscoe, right? Chase, yeah, I just Chase Briscoe name just escaped me. Yeah, so so those, those two touched a little bit and uh both spun, and Kyle Bush was able to sneak on by and have a windfall in his lap, much to the delight of the crowd who booed him. Um, <laughs> when he didn't yeah. do anything other than just cross the line, but uh, but I gotta say, uh, you know, again, Chase Briscoe and and Tyler Reddick, uh, along with Ross Chastain, these young guys are really uh, making their names known in NASCAR. They're all having great seasons, uh, despite the fact the fact that Tyler Reddick has not won yet. And as I look at this, Louise, right, if you see the uh, 
the post-race interviews there, right? Mm-hmm. Reddick, Reddick was not rattled at all. As a matter of fact, he kind of blamed himself. He said, I didn't do a good enough job by, by not holding him off. I, I didn't, I didn't do a good job by not holding him off and I shouldn't have had myself in that position, you know, when, and then I kind of wonder if, while you know, while I, I find that uh, to be admirable that he's so kind of cool and calm uh, and, and restrained in his comments there and, and appear to not be rattled, but I wonder if that's why he hasn't won a race. Cause I, I, I you know, I often think that sometimes these drivers um, need that aggression, you know, and, I mean, we and, saw and with, with him yeah. and Cole Custer at Kansas. Yeah, the Xfinity race. They were, they've had. He Reddick said mo has had moments with driver confrontations. It's just this one was much more metal because I think they knew it was a racing ordeal, and they've raced well each other long enough, and they both have dirt backgrounds to where they knew they're they're aware. Unlike another where with and who had an episode with another driver, we'll talk about later, but awareness that they there nothing bad was going to happen. It wasn't like Kyle Busch or Joey Logano Reddick had to deal with it. Chase Briscoe we're talking about. And with Briscoe, the thing to me is that he said he also put blame on himself because he felt like at that moment he was giving it his all by the way. I think he might have wheel hop or something to where the car got too loose and just lost it. Some people say, oh, he took him out out of desperation. Oh, that was reckless. Like Dale Jarrett said, it's like to me, it's like to me. I saw it as just a racing ordeal where the dirt is not easy. It's not easy when it comes to handling a car. It's not. And even the best will have moments where they simply try as best they can, and if they can't do much about it, they can't do much about it. That's why I saw Briscoe must have lost, just completely lost. He didn't just lost it to take him out. That, yeah, I you can't. You way. can't really gather it back up as quickly uh, on dirt as you can on pavement because once you start that slide and, and we saw that with you know Reddick tried to gather it up but then it just eventually got away from him and he almost he almost pulled it off yeah he uh, almost had almost, he but yeah, but Kyle, a bigger gap Kyle got got by him right there uh, right there at the last moment so um, yeah but uh, anyway end of, the, end of the day good job to those guys you know um, both of them they both walk away with good points finishes um, well, not Brisk. Well, Briscoe's already in, has that Phoenix win, but he finished 22nd, which surprised me. Like, what? What? Are, I thought Briscoe crossed the line, and then, and then I looked at the running orders. He finished 22nd in that thing. Whereas you know, I must have missed that. I thought I thought he made it across the line too. So well, he did. Yeah, Reddick Redick, Redick was yeah. categorized second, though. Yeah, three yeah. tenths shy of probably pulling a a, a pirouette and a win. Which would have been interesting if he actually, because that could have probably been, well, I don't think you consider it as, would you consider it as a spin and win, even though he kind of got taken out by a freaking, by the loss of business, the third racing? Had Reddick pulled it off. Would you deem it as a spin and win or no? Uh, no, not really. Um, okay. Maybe, I don't know. It's like, it's just more like a uh, crashing over the line, like a Terry Labonte, you know? Yeah. But Sorry. speaking of that, what I appreciate is that both of them handle the man to man like Rick. People, it's like to me, I immediately thought of Ricky Craven and Kurt Bush after Darlington, to where they both talked about it, like where Kurt talked about he had no more power steering, and then Craven just talked about just relishing the moment. They both kind of like, yeah. And Briscoe said it like he wished that Reddick would have had won it because that way it was very, it was very diplomatic, which is very refreshing. But yeah. As far as like Reddick being the nice guy and all that, maybe that's why he has the one. It started giving me like Mark Martin vibes, which we do need some Mark Martin in this world where 
they don't get so they where they can understand what's going on or we need those type of people instead of like you want a good balance of drivers as far as personalities and attitudes that we have not really seen much these days, especially on the Xfinity level or even in trucks at this point too. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, again, I appreciate Reddick being kind of so calm and collected, but, but it's that whole, oh, shucks didn't win. You know what I mean? Uh, it's, it's, you almost like to see a driver kind of aggravated that they don't win because cause you figure these guys are here to win and then nothing against Reddick. But and and to your point, yes, it is refreshing. But at the same time, I I find it out of character for what you'd expect in in a post race interview for a guy who came that close to winning. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, sure. The the and or even even if if there was bitter disappointment, would would I'd be fine if he if there was bitter disappointment, but he was more like oh shucks, oh I, well I didn't hold him off darn we'll try next week so i don't know but uh anyway the future looks bright for the kid future looks a little better for um rcr who's been uh been a while since they've uh won anything i think it's been since uh, what austin Dillon um had a win a couple years ago yeah but reddick is yeah rcr has gotten better over time and i think right, right. reddick has been an elevation because people forget when he was with jrm he wasn't even probably the third best driver in that organization when he won the championship. Then he moves to RCR and then boom, pretty much elevated, outperforming his equipment day in and day out. And I feel like they're still in that position, but they're in a better state, to say the least, if they keep Reddick. And I think over time, if Reddick becomes, gets it together, racks up wins, maybe fight for championships. If I were RC, I would or the or Mike Dillon, I would not give him up. I would not let him go. I would keep him as long as you can to build the team around him, if possible. And that word is key, if possible. Yeah, I mean, obviously he's going to see what opportunities come his way, and and you know, there's uh, right now I think NASCAR is probably in a state where they're they're not. You know, like where IndyCar was a couple of years ago where all the seats were pretty well locked up. And then then all of a sudden, just recently, you know, a lot of the dominoes started falling. A lot of the older guys started retire. I think NASCAR is in kind of like a half and half state right there, you know, where you've got some guys that are that are pushing retirement age. But but really, honestly, not so many um, because uh, we just recently had an exodus, you know, between Gordon and Earnhardt and them. But you got and, and of course, Jimmy. Johnson of all left the series and opened those seats. So, but you got, you got just a very few guys in there who are kind of maybe pushing retirement age, maybe Harvick, you know, or, or, or Denny Hamlin, even, you know, over the next three, four or five years, um, we'll see some of those guys perhaps move on. So the, uh, I, I don't expect tons and tons of new faces uh, in the next immediate future, but, but there will be some opportunities out there. No, for sure. I think it's going to be tough to see who will get the move. Some of them may have to start with like middle to bottom tier equipment, which is going to be interesting how the rookie of the year contendership landscape will look like in a couple of years. Yeah, because you got guys ready to move up here like, um, oh, like, you know, Ty Gibbs probably within two years, he'll be, he'll probably take Truex's seat or, you know, or maybe even Kyle Bush's seat. I don't know. I, I, I feel like Kyle's probably got several more years left in him, but uh, Truex keeps, you know, kind of almost taking it a year at a time. And, you know, yeah. you, you know, Truex also has the, uh, you know, health concerns um, with his, uh, 
he's not married. They're not married. No. Right? His 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 longtime companion. Uh, she's got she's had the health issues there, so that that could very well also be weighing on his decision to maybe get out of the sport at at some or at least decrease his involvement uh, uh, to less than full time, which would open up a seat for Ty Gibbs. So. Um, because yeah, you know, Gibbs isn't going to land anywhere else except Gibbs. So that seems like a foregone conclusion. So, yeah, but we'll uh, be curious to see how the landscape does look like because right now, like I talked about in another, in another, in a Twitter space before the truck race, what, if we didn't have this four car limit or charters, the landscape would look completely different. If the sponsorship and money is there, there'll be teams that were going to five cars or maybe more if it's feasible to them, if, if they're ready. But we're not in that landscape. I don't think we're going to see that landscape change anytime soon. No, I, I, think, you I, wonder. Think, I think finances alone, there's not enough sponsorship money going around the sport to support, you know, five and six car teams. No, that's true. If we, yeah. if that thing, I think like it's kind of become it to the point where it's nearly it's, we're over a decade and a half with that four car limit cap, and I think sooner or later they gotta just find a way to say, you know what, I think it's time to end the cap. I mean, the truck series don't have a four truck team cap. That's why you see Thor Sport and GMS enter like five or six trucks from time to time. Well, even if you did remove the cap. I don't see a ton of people taking advantage no. of it. Honestly, I no, don't. Probably not. You, you maybe, maybe you'll maybe yeah you maybe you'll maybe see one, maybe two big super teams out there. But I think you know once you get you know once you get past that four car mark, I, I think it becomes pretty hard to manage performance. And, and we've seen that we've seen that in IndyCar. Whenever uh, you know Andretti has expanded to when they've tried to run five full time cars, they really. Uh, done worse than when they've had four and three you know i so. mean penske right now they're penske always great. yeah penske seems to always run better when they run leaner you know penske when they when, it, when they've gone to four cars they, they've always ha- had at least one that's been a bit of a non-performer you know or or the whole team um per- performance is okay but not great but when they lean down to three like this year you know they're uh that what they've been unbeatable so far. So, yeah, I'll be curious how their month of May will look like because that's going to be the ultimate test before it comes to race day. Because they've sort of been there, like if if the cards are in their favor, they're there, but they're not there there to win. And then also qualifying has not been kind to them either lately. So it'll be curious. That's one of the big mysteries. How will Penske qualify for the 500? Of course, the big picture is trying to trying to win, but if they're closer to the front, it'll help their odds when we get there next month. Oh, yeah, no doubt. It's always better to qualify towards the front. I, but I, yeah, before but... I forget about, you mentioned Chastain. Like, Chastain was in the mix, and then during the first red flag, the, the, the car just pretty much was done. It, the engine, the, uh, the reliability ended on him in there where he couldn't continue on to the stage three. So he took a pretty hit in the points and also didn't get the best result either because... But had it not had a reliability problem, he'd probably been in that mix as well, more than likely. Sure, yeah. And, and Daniel and it, Suarez, Suarez is another guy who had a really good run but did, didn't have a lot to show for it at the end of the day. Yeah, but, it was uh, one yeah. of those track house where one car, when both cars do really well, but results by shows one do, doing well over the other because there's always circumstances with that team. 
that's been the theme of this year is like both of them are capable to get really strong results, but more often than not, it's always one or the other to have problems. Right. Absolutely. So, and if, uh, am I correct in saying that uh, Kyle Busch uh, winning, uh, that's, that's first Toyota win this year. Is it not? It is their third. Okay. What, what, what are what did Hamlin I miss? won. Richmond. Oh, that's right. That's right. Denny Hamlin won. That's so they correct. won two that's out of the last three races. Okay. So, yeah. So where, where they started off the season kind of behind the competition has looked like we're leveling out a little bit because it's been, honestly, it's been a minute since a good Ford win when Ford came out of the box so strong um, at the beginning of the season. So it looks like we're starting to, everybody's starting to figure out their Gen 7 car. And, um, and again, I'll just say I was... Uh, kind of disappointed about how the, the Gen 7 cars performed at both Martinsville and Richmond, but I they were so much better on the dirt than I thought they would be. Yeah, I, 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 yeah going into it, I was thinking to myself, yeah, this is a car that's really designed to handle a road course really well. How is it going to perform on dirt? And I thought it was just going to be a mess, but I was pleasantly surprised to it see. It actually got better with the rain. It seems it, like yeah, it, it did. I thought the Gen 7 car was was a fine car on the dirt there. Yeah. Yeah, unless you're Kevin Harvick for the well, most part. I mean, I, mean I, I, think the, I think right now when Harvick heard, my, heard the news of. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That they're coming back to Bristol during 2023. Must have stormed that door, confronted in that big red truck and confronted whoever's in charge with the calendar or licorice pizza style. If you've not seen a certain scene, I suggest so because that's the vibe I'm getting from Harvick, who is big fan of dirt racing. Not. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean. Maybe it is time for Harvick to retire. I don't know. So, but I want to, yeah, I don't know. I I don't know about that though. I want to think Harvick still got, uh, still got a few good years in the tank there. Yeah. Cause he, uh, he still can uh, get up to the front and run there. It's just, it just seems like he's not. The thing is the Stuart Haas racing were appalling aside from Briscoe. They, and Custer had his pit, like the grill problem where they wouldn't give him his laps back. They had that little grill cleaning break in the first stage. But other than that, aside from those two, it was just it was just a forgettable week for SHR otherwise. And the results show, with the exception of Briscoe, that doesn't reflect on how he performed. Yeah, it seems like they have more forgettable weeks than they have memorable ones anymore. So, uh, you know, it's it's really kind of up to them to kind of reassess you know, where where the issues lie and and why they're not the powerhouse they once were. You know, so, but, um, but anyway, so, um, we had Xfinity and trucks also race on the dirt this weekend. Just, no Xfinity, just trucks, just trucks. Okay. So the you truck- had, yeah, 
you had the most before I'll get to the most absurd moment of the week. Yeah, it was a I for, before I forget. I'm having a little bit of a pause trying to remember who won the, the truck race because I know who won it, but I, I'm having a, like you said with Briscoe, that's kind of what I'm having right now. But I'll talk about the bumper, the bumper. Game. Ben Rhodes, wasn't it? Yeah, Ben Rhodes. Thank you. Thank you. Ben Rhodes was able to get his first win since the Daytona Road Course 14 months ago. So he hasn't, so in the year he won the championship, he only won the first two races and then went, hadn't won since till Saturday. You had Buddy Colfoyd, a super talented dirt racer in a USAC competition, made his NASCAR debut. He was doing really good, but then he got collected in a late race incident to plummet him down in the running order. But he was doing really well. I thought maybe he, if he was getting there to a point that he might have, he might have had a chance to probably win in his truck debut. At Ty Majeski also had a superb ran dirt before. And I think, he did re- exceptionally well. It kind of shows you, and it's the same, like, the dirt racing kind of shows who has kind of, like, the all-around talent and skill as far as a racer. And if Majeski was able to do just fine without with little to no dirt experience at all, it kind of shows you what kind of a talent Majeski is and has been over the years in the short track competition. He just has not gotten the big break in NASCAR that I think he rightfully deserves at this point. But, yeah, Rhodes was able to win. And Deegan had another woeful weekend. It has been the tale of her season where she's barely, she's struggling to even stay in the top 30 and truck owner points and going to Darlington. She might be borderline. She still may be borderline whether or not she'll make the field. That's kind of. Yeah, she she may not make the field. Yeah. So, all right. So let's talk about these two trucks that got. Locked yeah. together like 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 two teenagers with braces kissing one another, and they got locked yeah. together like that. Yeah, Austin Wayne self, who stayed out after stage one, held on okay for a little bit, and then he was regressing. And then Matt DiBenedetto ran into him. They just kind of locked up, and thinking, "Well, they're going to try to it's better to try to take out Austin Wayne self." It's Austin Wayne self deliberately brake checking him, and then both of them were going so slow that they stopped they stop and then realize from there like the old like the aces song from 2018 stuck they're just stuck what made it more maddening it's like oh okay just pull them out and maybe it'll just be a lengthy yellow why not i can understand no they decided to stop the race like why i can it's like it's like that was not necessary in my book it's it, it it, it, I it, it was a hissy fit in, at the house of Virginia. Like, why for stock bumpers is like the most random red flag you can get. It's just, oh, we're stopping the race so we can pull these two trucks out of there. Like the offspring song, offspring song that says you got to keep them separated. You got you literally have to keep them separated. Or like in the school, like in Greece, where you get too close, you're out of the competition. You're out of the dance contest. It's like. This is what geez, they're they're willing to throw red flags for anything these days. But we're we're just throwing all the uh, all the weird references in there. The dance con- all, the dance yeah, contest so- in Greece, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's hey, funny. I got it. I yeah, I got it. I, hey, yeah, it is what it, it is what it is. But it's, it certainly is, yeah. All right, so uh, so we're off of Talladega, uh, which is going to be interesting. The uh, uh, the Daytona 500 was. Uh, 
Eh, well, it wasn't too shabby with the uh, with the Gen Seven car. We probably see very similar kind of race here at Talladega. Um, coming up, Talladega is always a big event. It's always fun to watch. It's always well attended, uh, and I expect that uh, you know this year, you know, we're we're going back to full full attendance. We should have a great crowd on hand there. We should have lovely Alabama uh, late April, early May weather. Um, so let's, uh, let's talk about Alabama. And, and so if we, if, if we think about, you know, who's done well at the, the plate race there, we got, you know, we got to look at the Penske cars. Uh, we've got to look at the, uh, the RFK cars. Um, we've got to talk about Bubba Wallace, um, who's the, the last guy to win at Talladega, albeit in the rain. So, uh, Louise, who do you like for, um, for, for, um, Talladega? Hmm. I feel like you, I honestly think you cannot go wrong with, with with Bubba, but I think if RFK are really gonna bounce back big, bounce back indeed. I'm not gonna go with BK though. I'm I'm thinking this has a good chance of Chris Busher maybe pulling the deal. He says Talladega can be unpredictable. I'm going with an unpredictable winner. Let's go with Chris Busher to bring RFK back on the map in terms of because ever since that win in the duels, when they had that first trouble with NASCAR, they have been MIA completely. Well, except for the 500 where Ken Keselowski had a rough, rough day in terms of running into other people. Yeah. So, but let's, uh, yeah, let's talk about Keselowski then. Okay. So obviously like I said, they've been MIA and, and really buried in the points due to penalties and, and those sort of things there too. But Keselowski uh, specifically Keselowski is running a, I don't know if you've seen his livery, um, the no. white Castro, uh, white car, white suit. Um, it's, it's a, it's a stunningly beautiful white car reminds me of his Miller light white car where he won a championship and, and a lot of races with Penske. And I wonder if that white Castro livery is going to uh, give him some good mojo at Talladega, Talladega track that he has performed very, very well at has a couple of wins there in the past. So I'm going to go with Keselowski uh, and say that RFK, you know, kind of <laughs> you know, gets themselves out of the bottom of the barrel in the points there. And even, even with the win, he still may not make the chase with all the, um, all the penalties that they've accrued. But, uh, I mean, that, that team needs something good to happen to them. For sure. For sure. So now as we, uh, move on from NASCAR, let's, uh, the Indy cars were off on Easter weekend, but this week we did see the first open test at Indianapolis motor speedway for the cars that will be competing in the 500 here in the month of May. Uh, so leading up to that, we had several, um, we did not have a, a, an announcement for a 33rd car, although Yukos has said that is as a last resort, uh, they pretty much said, well, if nobody else will do it, we are sitting on a spare chassis. We can either prepare it and lease it to somebody or prepare and run it for somebody. Uh, so they said they would be willing, but they'd rather not. And, and then on the heels of that, um, McLaren announced that they would be open to running a fourth, a fourth entry. Uh, although it's, um, you know, the time is getting short. Yeah. And they've uh, already announced their liveries for the 500. Yeah, so too, that's, so. that's what I was going to talk about the livery reveal. So let's talk about, we had, we saw Sage Karam's livery. He's got a sponsorship by AES, which is a uh, Indiana utility, is same, utility company. Same, yep. Yeah. The same, the same livery, same team from last year that 
where Kara got a top 10 out of it. Right, right. So he's, he's a, it's a nice car. It's blue and white, right? And uh, uh, Marco has a, a livery. His is largely blue. Uh, blue and blue, light blue and yellow. Very nice looking car for Marco. Um, really good looking car for Marco, as a matter of fact. Uh, Tony Canon has been announced in the um, American Legion car. That'll be the fifth Ganassi engine. He will be running the number one. And we'll talk about that here in a moment. Uh, but that's, a you know, it's kind of a, a livery that's basically white. Uh, with some red, white, and blue trim on it with American Legion. And he's, uh, they're, they're running to support uh, or bring awareness to uh, veteran suicide, uh, which is, uh, which is a worthy cause that the American Legion is um, involved with. So, um, you know, good on Ganassi and good on Tony for helping support that. And, and again, Tony's always um, performed well at the speedway there and in a Ganassi car, um, you know, I kind of, I kind of like his chances, even, uh, even as a one-off, but, uh, you know, as in, you need to look no further than some of the Indy 500 winners to know that, that a one-off, uh, can win the race, you know, you look no further than, a Dan Weldon or a Elio Castro Nevis last year. So, uh, so that's, so Tony's not going to be out of the mix by any, you know, step of the imagination. So, uh, but so McLaren released their liveries. They have three cars. And all three different liveries. Now, the three cars all have, like, so the body of the car, right? So say that the, the cockpit and the nose, uh, the one car is black, the other car is white. The third car is a color I would describe as, uh, it's similar to British racing green, which, uh, which honestly I don't understand because McLaren, while they are based in England, they're not, they're not really a British team. They have roots in New Zealand. And then when the team was, uh, uh, when Bruce McLaren ceased to uh, uh, own the team after his after he he um, he after he died, Teddy Mayer took over the team. Teddy Mayer was American. They, they were known as an Anglo-American team. Now you could say during the Ron Dennis ownership years, when when Group Four or Project Four bought it, then they were a British team. But now, the, Zach Brown, the current owner, he's an American guy too. So. British racing green is a color I've never seen associated with McLaren, but yet there it is. Now, all these cars have uh, asymmetrical designs, or, you know, designs that are not symmetrical at all, where they so you have... Think that's British, you think that's uh, pretty... It's not British racing green. It's too brownish. Yeah, it needs to be a little brighter. I'm not quite yeah, sure not... What, what to call it, but it's it's definitely green and it's definitely a color I've not seen associated with. It's more it, camo green than anything it, else. It is kind of a camo green. But then yeah, on top of that, yeah. so then we have the cars have orange and blue side paws, right? Orange on one side, blue on the other. And, and the wings are back. And it's just I, you know, the only way I can describe these cars is, oh, what's the word? Ugly. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's, that's <laughs> I, I have, a, I have all, another word all, for it all that three I will say on air. <clears throat> A word you can't say in there. Yeah, and if, but that, I mean, if that green was black, I think they'd look pretty striking. Well, if they didn't have the green, it'll look striking indeed. Yeah, well, the five car is black. That's Pato. Yeah. Yeah, I'm talking about the right side where it's green. Where if 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 there was no green on the side, it was like olive green. Yeah, he does. Oh, okay, it. so it's. The color scheme include undefeated signature olive green. So are they a sponsor undefeated? I don't know who that is. I don't know. I don't know. And Montoya comes across like like a generic like oh, a, sorry. a generic so eye racing car that okay. forgot to add trading paints or whatever the slogan is. All right. So now, Richard, what were you saying there? Sorry. So let me just read this to you very quickly. This is from the official McLaren press release. 
For the second consecutive year, Arrow, McLaren, SB and Views will partner with global sportswear brand Undefeated to collaborate on design inspiration across this, the team for this year's 106th running of the Indianapolis 500. It goes on to say a little bit later, the colour scheme includes Undefeated signature olive green along with the colours of Arrow, McLaren, SP. So, yeah. I don't know who, who this Undefeated is or what they're getting out of it, but it looks like somebody's vomited on half the car. Well, maybe when it comes to ugly car contests, they're undefeated. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and, yeah so, and so, so the anyway. word that Richard just said is what I was, that's what I was referring to, but I didn't want to say it out loud. Yeah. So let, well, let's get back to Tony Kanan and the number one. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because I promised you guys earlier, I'll try to explain a few things about how the number one is used in IndyCar racing. Okay. So now obviously we know that the number one can be used by the series champion if they choose to um alex polo has chosen not to which is pretty much a uh it's been a trademark of guys that win the championship for ganassi they usually keep their regular number dixon has kept his nine uh frankie kept his 10 um and has kept his number 10 now although um chip has the rights to use the number one so they went ahead and put it on tony Kanan's car I'm, i imagine at the bequest of uh, American Legion, they probably like that idea of, of uh, running the one. Now, last year, J.R. Hildebrand ran the number one on the Foyt car, and that was a tribute livery to one of A.J. Foyt's uh, cars from the 60s where he had won the race with the number one, and Foyt had to seek the permission and probably write a check to Chip Ganassi to use that number one last year. Now, these things aside, uh, usually the number one is reserved for the champion. All right. And uh, it goes back to the days when the number one would go to the USAC champion. And if uh, you won the USAC championship, you could run the number one uh, the following season, including the Indy 500. Now it gets a little murky when we get into the cart era, uh, because the cart, if you won the cart championship, you can run the number one on your car during the cart season. Although the Indy 500 was still sanctioned by USAC. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun. So winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino style games to choose from, you too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a world. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Now, as the USAC races dwindled, um, the the winner of the Indy 500 was still considered the USAC champion, the USAC gold crown champion. Uh, Although I believe after 1983, the only race included in the USAC championship was the Indianapolis 500. So there's a little bit of a misconception that the winner of the Indy 500 can choose the number one for the following year. And this comes from the fact that the winner of the Indy 500 was also the USAC champion. So you saw uh, several instances in the eighties and nineties say where, uh, you know, Michael Andretti won the championship in 1991 was running the number one, but he had to yield the number one uh, for the, for the month of May, or actually it was. Michael had a one in 1992. My, he did. Yeah. So, uh, 
But okay, so this is yeah, this is Michael had to yield his number in. Al Unser Jr. won the championship in eight in '89, so or or '90. Unser Jr. won the championship in '90, right? Right, because Sullivan, yeah. Uh, and Unser Jr. had the yield the one because Ari Leindyke wanted to use the one in the Indy 500. So Al Unser Jr. took the two. Well, the two was Michael's number, so Michael had to take the ten, which was the next available number. So, but this is kind of where the the thought is that the Indy 500 winner has first crack at the number one, but it's not the case. It's the USAC champion. And of course, after 1996, when the Indy racing league started up, the USAC championship ceased to exist altogether. And I believe it even ceased to exist a little bit before that, although the race was still sanctioned by USAC. Now, that being said, you had mentioned George Schneider um, running the number one, in 1983 after um gordon johncock had won the 500 well because there were still a couple other races on the usac calendar that johncock did not actually compete in because he was running the full cart series but george snyder was the usac the usac champion for 1982 thus why he ran the number one in uh 1983 so, I mean, I hope that kind of clears that up. But for a while, I mean, I've always taken a great interest in how cars are numbered. And, and I kind of like the way that um, IndyCar does it now, because CART had about the worst system. Uh, and the way their system worked is that the first 12 cars in a championship will be numbered one through 12 for the following season. Um, unless you didn't like your number, uh, in which case, you could pull a different number from the pool of remaining numbers, i.e. say like a Greg Moore, who maybe he finished fourth or fifth in the championship, but wanted to continue to run the 99. So you would be number five, unless you don't want to be. So that, so you got so much ambiguity there. And then of course the 13 was disallowed and the 14 was reserved for AJ Floyd. It was the only number that was reserved. So what you had was guys would have a different number every year. Um, which from a merchant uh, merchandising point of view is it makes no sense. You buy a, a, you know, a shirt with the guy's name and number and a picture of his car. Then the next year, he's got a different number. Um, and that's where I think, you know, NASCAR had it right with the numbers belong to the team. And uh, so, yes, as long as you stay with the same team, you have the same number. And that's a system that IndyCar uses. Now the numbers belong to the team. So as long as you're, you're with the same team, you've got the same number. Now, Formula One, their system goes to it used to be that if you won the championship, you had all the cars had team numbers, right? So, like, say, like, Tyrrell traditional team numbers were two and three. Ferrari's traditional team three numbers. Three and four. Three four I, I'm yeah. sorry, three and four. Yeah, Ferrari's were 11 and 12. The Lotus 27 and 28, wasn't it? Well, they were 11, it was 11, they 11, were 12, 11 and 12. This is, this, now, see, this is what I'm getting at, right? Ferrari's numbers were 11 and 12, but when you win the championship, right, you would take the one and two for the next season. Now, your numbers would go to whoever you just took the one and two from. So that's how these numbers got switched around. Yeah, because Williams. Yeah, so 27 and 28 were traditionally Williams numbers, right? But, you know, Ferrari won the championship in 79, right? So they, they took the one and two from Lotus, and that's when Lotus got the 11 and 12, but then Williams won a championship the next year. Williams picked up the one and two, then the 27 and 28 went to Ferrari. Again, a little confusing, and of course, Formula One system now is probably the, the most 
merchandising friendly system of all because the driver picks his number and keeps it throughout the bulk or throughout the entirety of his Formula One career, unless he chooses to use the one when he wins a championship. So that way, even if like uh, you know, Lewis Hamilton changes teams, all his merchandise is still says says 44 on it is still, you know, still pertinent to him. So uh, again, I find it very interesting how cars are numbered this day and age. And, and now I, I, you know, I do like the idea that we have a kind of a merchandising eyeball on that. Cause you know, in the early days of formula one, you would have a different number every race based mm-hmm. on the timing of the entry. You know, cause if you look at like pictures from like 1973, just, I mean, just, just Google, Google images type in Jackie Stewart, 1973, look at the images that come up and see that have about five, six different numbers. So, which, I mean, what kind of sense does that make? It's probably why it was painted for, they painted the numbers for a good period of time in the beginning, because there was no guarantee what number you'll be. Yeah, yeah, so, uh, but anyway, so that's yeah, that's the long and short of it. If anybody's kind of wondering why is Tony Kanan running the one, you know, because he, yeah, because they can ask the owners the number thanks to Blue's championship. So, uh, I hope that was also the Be oh, the One initiative. Yes. From American Legion. Right, right, right. Yep. I mean, yeah, there's sometimes the numbers are sponsor driven too. If you recall, uh, Schmidt used to use different numbers. They used to use what 77 was their number, but when they picked up Arrow, Arrow uh, was a big fan of the number five because their one of their logos is five years ahead. Mm-hmm. So that's where that's where the five ended up with the Arrow cars and where it still remains. But they, if you recall, back when Simon was driving for them before Arrow was their sponsor, it was there was seventy seven. So there you go. All right. So speaking of which, let's talk about the test at Indy. Okay. So we did well. We did have one other announcement. Announcement from Beth Peretta. And Peretta Racing, they are going to run Simona Di Silvestro in three uh, races, which I believe are Road America, Portland, and Nashville, if I'm not mistaken. Road America, Mid-Ohio, and Nashville. Mid-Ohio and Nashville, okay, yeah. At the so. very least, those are confirmed. They right. might look into other ones if when scheduling permits. Right, and she's going to run in conjunction with Ed Carpenter. So they're going to skip the 500 for a couple of reasons. Number one, they could probably run these three races on the same budget that they would spend running one Indy 500. Number two, Ed Carpenter's already running three cars at the 500, so all of his you know, resource will be taken up with those three cars, but they're only running two cars at these road courses. So they'll have additional personnel and whatnot. that can go on Beth Peretta's payroll um, that can be uh, utilized to um, crew that car uh, on, um, on those race weekends. So, and again, this is a step towards um, Peretta Motorsport eventually becoming a full-time entrant in the, yeah, in, that's in their, the series. Yeah, that's yeah, their, that's, that's, their goal. That's, that's the end goal. Yeah. That's the end goal for a lot of these folks. So, uh, and some of them, some of them make it there and some of them don't. And we see that Shank is finally, you know, he started out doing a couple of races here, a couple of races there, but now he's, now he's in for two cars full time. And uh, then the other hot rumor regards McLaren arrow, who is, um, perhaps going to, they've talked about expanding to three cars, uh, for next year on a full-time basis. And the hot name linked to that is Alexander Rossi. Um, it's probably not a secret that Rossi isn't happy at Andretti. It's not a secret that it's a contract year for him. Um, and even though both sides have denied it, the rumor is pretty strong. 
um, that uh, it'll be Rossi in the third McLaren car next year. So speaking of Rossi, when we began testing today, Rossi was the first guy to spin on cold tires. Um, but we saw a lot of, it was, it was a long session today. They had a rain delay early, but uh, they pretty much, uh, once they got the track dried, they, they ran from what, like around noon or one all the way till 6 p.m. With, with a small break in between. So you got a lot of guys get a lot of laps in, you know, a lot of data. We saw a few problems, Louise. Um, namely, uh, the last, what you said, about the last 80 minutes or so, we saw Elio actually got some pretty good damage to his car, spun uh, coming out of the pit lane, uh, back a bunch of the track, tried to keep it off the wall. Uh, we saw Erickson spin it a couple of times. We saw Eric, Erickson avoided incidents. Avoided, right, right. Yeah, barely and, got through it. Yeah, and then we saw um, Will Power kind of lose it there, and he's, he's again, just like Elio and, and Will were both kind of unsure what happened. Uh, they both said it just, just seemed out of the car, just stepped out. Um, and Power ended up uh, collecting Colton Herta, who brushed the wall, trying to avoid Power. So, but otherwise, you know, nothing, no, no major pileups or crashes there, but a lot of, a uh, lot of laps run, a lot of, a uh, lot of data gathered. So, Louise, you got to watch some of this today, or? I was able to catch up as much as info as I could, kind of to absorb it, because of course, with my my night job and sleeping hours coinciding with the session, I had to play catch up. But what I saw, all the madness was happening towards the end, which is unfortunate to see already that we have wrecked cars. Because if I recall, it wasn't until once the month, of, deep into the month of May, where we saw these incidents happening. And it's attributed to the weather and the conditions as well, to, to where you mentioned it was delayed a bit. That's where the bit I caught live. And it could have been really bad. But fortunately, it wasn't as worse as what it could have been because I looked at Colin Herta's onboard and he just tweeted about it a while a bit ago. That could have been awful. He was that he, that could have been awful if power went a little bit further. And I think they, in the back of, a, of Power's mind or whoever said it, like they didn't, there was this close to probably having a Sonardi moment because remember when Sonardi had that accident in Germany, it was coming out of pit road. Or even last year's 500, albeit. That was because of a, the lugness wasn't secured where he lost control at the exit of period that could have been much worse. So the fact that we, we've we only seen, with the exception of Herd and Powers, a singular incident, single car incidents, is, be, is better than, is a lot better than having more than one car totaled and or worse. So that's why I mentioned Erickson escaping the madness because he was that close of being involved in the Elio one and also he was that close of being involved in the power and herda one. But yeah, it, it's just something that going into the Thursday set, test session that hopefully it's improved upon. Maybe they have to dry it up a lot more so in case if there's some wet spots like Power said doesn't happen on Thursday and then we can have a much thorough test session where there's no concerns for it. 
depending on weather, of course. Yeah, yeah again, the, the weather conditions were not ideal. Uh, I believe the temperatures in the morning were 56 degrees, which, which you know, it's tough to get to. I mean, you need to look no further than the 92 Indy 500 where the race was run in conditions that were that cold where you just saw guys. Uh, every, seemingly every time we had a restart where the tires were cold, you saw guys just, just you know, cars just stepping out from underneath them. So, Richard, you get a chance to watch any of these uh, um cars running in Indianapolis today or were you too busy working? Yeah, I was too busy unfortunately. Did did catch a few highlights at the end, but mainly as uh, as we were talking about some of the spins and the uh, contact with the wall, which is, uh, you know, it's always unfortunate to have these, uh, you know, events happen so early in the in 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 this sort of, in the event really uh, because, yeah, they can rebuild the cars, and but they're never quite the same and uh, you know, hopefully it won't affect too many of them. Heard of my V, okay, Elio. I'm not 100% sure because he took a pretty good hit. Because I think Herta said something like in the interior ordeal over there in his, in his test interview. So Herta might be okay. Power's going to be fine. Elio's still big quest because he took the significant beating on the rear and the back end of his car. And as far as the rest of the session goes, couple of people stood out and there's a couple of rookies, but the one in particular that r- caught my eye as, as sessions and where Scott Dixon was quickest at 227 was Colin Mylock. We talk about Hunko's, they're obviously going to be forever known for the time being as the team, the little team that could that beat the McLaren into the 500 field. Eilard had a pretty solid, it looked to be a, a really solid session, which is good for them which might make rookie of the year for the 500 very interesting. And then Johnson in the, in the all in the veteran session, because he was a part of the veterans. Like he was part of the rookie refresh because of, because he's a full-time driver along with Grosjean and same with Elio. He's full-time. So you don't have to take the refresh. Johnson was up there too. So it was a pretty strong opener for Ganassi as a whole to say the least, but yeah. Like and another one that kind of stood out a bit is also Devlin De Francesco. He looked like he was very sporty. The only one that I saw in the running in the classification that didn't partake out of the 32 confirmed entrants was Sage Karam. Yeah, Karam had, as we talked about, he had the sponsorship ordeal announced and all of that. He didn't set officially a time in as far as the as far as the the all car session. Santino, on the other hand, his teammate for the 500, just has the all-black 23 car for the time being, I'd imagine. He he also looked pretty good up there, but it's kind of hard telling. you got to look at practice speeds like with toe and no-toe speed because no-toe will tell you how they are in terms of single-car runs and qualifying. Toes see who is effective in the draft, and that's always going to be key during the month of May. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that no toe speed tells you who's going to be watch out for him qualifying. But uh, if you if you're pretty quick with the toe, it means you got a pretty good race set up. It means your car is pretty pretty stable in traffic. So that'll be uh, that'll be interesting to watch. So, all right. So we uh, are heading to Imola in Formula One. So Richard, uh, one of the classic tracks here. Uh, we're heading in to uh, Ferrari home territory with Ferrari. Uh, with a very good car this year, with a couple of wins under their belt, so uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty nuts out there. Oh, it's gonna be great, isn't it? 
it's going to be uh, you know crazy to get the uh, the sort of uh, the the Tifosi back there and uh, screaming and shouting and doing their thing. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's going to be pretty special. Um, and the uh, you know to see to see those cars up front with a real um, you know chance of winning. Uh, you know, you, Leclerc has obviously started the season you know very convincingly. Uh, you know, two wins and a second place, and you know, fastest lap in all three races and two poles. You know, the guys, the guys are looking pretty hot, and I don't think there's any reason to to doubt that they'll continue with that performance coming up this weekend. Um, a new, well, not a new, sorry, but for the first time in 2022, we see the return of the uh, sprint race uh, format. So we'll have one practice session on Friday, uh, qualifying Friday afternoon. Uh, practice session Saturday morning and then the uh, sprint race Saturday afternoon and the results from the sprint race um, determines the lineup for the uh, full full race weekend oh sorry for the full race on on Sunday afternoon so it's uh, yeah it'd be good to see that there's been some a few changes to the way the uh, sprint races uh, um, work. Um, I can't remember the exact uh, format now. Let me see what I can find. But uh, yeah, they have um, they have changed that. So let's have a look. Sprint races. Uh, yeah, no, there. The, the, I don't. I thought, I thought there was a change in the number of points that were being uh, allocated to sprint race, but I may be may be wrong in that. But uh, yeah, no, it's, it'll be interesting to see what happens. You know, a couple of the sprint races last year were really good. A couple were. Meh. Not quite so good. Um, yeah, it's, you know, still, it's still a work Brazil in progress. Was... Yeah, still a work in progress in my mind. And I think the jury's still out with a lot of fans. Some some folks like it. Other other folks think it's you know the most heinous thing that Formula One ever could have done. But uh, oh, you know, yeah, you're always going to have uh, divided fan bases like that in any form of racing. Yeah, of course, of course. But uh, no, it'd be good to you know, as you say, one of the classic tracks. I think they've extended their uh, contract out for. Uh, um, you know, a number of years, I think it's 2025, I think. So, uh, yeah, it'll be there for a good uh, good few more years. So, uh, no, it's, it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be really good to see and uh, see what they can, uh, yeah, 2025 is, so we'll be going there for a good number of years. And, uh, yeah, it was great to see, you know, in a way they've, they've sort of picked up the, uh, you know, they're one of the circuits that have really made the most out of the whole COVID uh, situation. So. Um, you know, good, good for them. And uh, yeah, it's great to, good to be back there and see what the racing can produce. Right. Then on the heels of Monza, or I'm sorry, on the heels of Imola, we'll pack them and head to the United States for the Grand Prix in Miami, which will take, yep. play, take place in early May. And uh, so there was a little news there, some uh, last ditch efforts by some uh, local opposition groups to try to get the Grand Prix blocked, but um, their, their efforts fell short. Um, you know, I, I think with all the money that's been spent, they're they're a little a, a little too late uh, to try to, you know, they're they're arguing, oh, you know, about the noise and the, the noise and not having the proper permits for the noise and whatnot. But I mean, it's the same it's the same kind of NIMBY mindset that uh, that seems to hamper a lot of uh, the so-called street races. There, uh, it's the same kind of thing that's threatening uh some some smaller tracks like uh, lime rock park up in connecticut 
uh, where they, you know, like when, when, when a track is built, it's fine. But as, you know, urban sprawl creeps up around it, suddenly you have, you know, folks who don't like the noise, you know, but yeah, it's and, what's, yeah, it's yeah. what ultimately stopped Washington having a cup venue in the late 2000s or building for building one for it. Right, right, but yep. you get but you get these these groups in these street races to try to now. And if you recall, that that's uh, that's had a, a lot to do. Local opposition had a lot to do with kill the Boston Grand Prix. You know that combined with the fact that the um, the promoter was a swindler and a crook, but uh, local opposition was strong up in Boston. If you recall, City of Boston also killed the. Um, their bid to hold the Olympics, right, which would have brought a, a massive amount of money to the economy. But the local opposition groups were able to successfully kill the Olympics um, in Atlanta. So I'm kind of uh, kind of pleased here that the uh, these folks in Miami efforts were stopped short because, again, you're, you're, we're going around in a football stadium here. Right. So, so this is this is a, a area that's that's used to large crowds and a lot of traffic and whatnot, and, uh, you know. Um, and you're talking about people that live two miles away. I mean, how loud, how loud is it going to be two miles away? You know, is it going to be enough to damage your hearing? I, I doubt it. So, but, yeah. uh, but again, so that race looked like it's ready to go. Um, the tickets are enormously expensive. Um, so it's not, uh, it's not something you can go to every Indy car race in general under general emission fee all <laughs> All 17 rounds you could go and a granted for one total of a Grand Prix ticket in Miami. I know, oh, right? I it's 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 nuts, yeah. So I uh yeah, I had sold out though, isn't it? I believe so, yeah. So I, I, I so can't sure be, you know, it's supply and demand, isn't it? You know, it's like it was all oh, the tickets for these events are so expensive, yeah, but they're still out. Yeah, yeah and it, it it's, it's in Miami the to the you know, unfortunately, it probably limits the access to the, the you know, the, the normal fan, if you like, in terms of the expense. But, you know, from a promoter standpoint, they won't say they don't care who turns up, but, you know, their job is to sell tickets and make money. And, and you know, you sell 100,000 tickets at $1,000 or 100,000 tickets at $50, which are you going to do? Yeah, and also you have the W Series, which also could bring some good exposure to the American fans to see the Jamie Chadwick and all those people. And I think there's also one other supporting series going there as well for Miami, along with W and F1. So they're, they're not bringing formula two or anything like that. I don't think so. No, I have not heard so. much. All I know is the W series. And I think the Porsche cup or whatever the equivalent is down there. Yeah. But yes, it'll be interesting. The... It'll be interesting when we get there. But the one thing I want to point out about Embola is the the sprint race where they changed it a lot to where if you're fastest in Friday qualifying, you're the pole center no matter what. Even if you don't win the heat, you're starting first. You're opposed starting, to the idea. Starting first in the sprint race or starting first in the the race? over both. To where I from what I read is where if you're fastest in Q three. You're the pole sitter of the whole Grand Prix, regardless where you finish in the sprint race. Okay, so so the sprint race is really deciding positions two and back. Yeah, and top eight is the points this okay, time all around. Right. 
as eight through one rather than the where what I I, I think it would have been neat if it was the old top eight points where it's ten eight six five through one instead it's eight through one. So yeah, but so if you win that poll, right? Mm-hmm. There's, there's really not a ton of incentive to really push it in the sprint race other than get eight to, points, to get, get the points. Yeah. So obviously the points are a good well, it's thing, a bit but, like the, but, the, the clash at Daytona, isn't that? Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. So oh, the clash at Daytona is just for money. It's for money. It's not for points. Oh, sorry. So. The, the sprint races or the heat races, whatever they're yeah, called. They're duels. The, the duels. Do they, do they pay points for the duels? Top 10. Well, no, but if you get a, if you qualify in the top two positions, that's where you start. Oh, yeah, the yeah, yeah, no yeah, yeah. Where you finish right, the duel, yes. Unless yes. you go to a backup car. Right, the front row is locked in, yep. Absolutely. Yeah, they set up yeah, to so. win the duels and get 10 points to start the year. All right, so we'll, so we'll tune, in to, tune into this this weekend and see how it goes. You know, I'm optimistic, but I'm, I'm all for kind of, you know, changing up formats and, and doing something a little fun, spicing up the show for the fans there. Uh, you know, and I don't think, I don't think that having a sprint race for qualifying order, you know, threatens the integrity of the sport at all because having heat races and sprint races is is, is as old as motor racing itself uh, at the grassroots level, you know? So, yeah. So, yeah. All right. So I believe we are just about out of time. Any, anything we missed any last minute thoughts, guys? The only last minute thought is that I mentioned about Chase Elliott and all that we talked about multiple times. I know, Richard has mentioned multiple times as far as racing efficacy and integrity. Gotta chill with the yet with, with bumping into cars. It's one thing where okay, it totally ruined somebody's race, but none of them were terminal enough to where it's like gotta keep grips into reality. It's like so just settle down. It's kind of one of those things. Hey, settle down moments, and I think both the fifty-one and the nine can need to settle down a bit, specifically the fifty-one because that's about the second say, time yeah. in the past year where one incident kind of became blown out of proportion than it ought to be. And I go back to Mars, but when such driver got it was clashing big time with James Davison, when Mars were the team had to tell him to calm down multiple times. And I think it needs to be emphasized a lot more towards like, well, then a particular group is going to have a banner name with those two torn fan bases to say the least. Yeah. Speaking of Cody Ware, is he is he going to do any IndyCar races this year? He's fully committed to the Cup Series. Yeah, I guess I, had, I, had, I, I hadn't. Yeah, hadn't heard that he was going to do any IndyCar races. That uh, you know, Sato's in that ride full time, but I didn't know if they were going to do the the third car here and there for him this year, which which is fine with me if they keep in NASCAR. Uh, you know. So. Yeah, there's no 52 car uh, as evident with the entry list right now. It's just the curious thought of who's going to be the 33rd entry if we get a 33rd entry. Mark Miles has been adamant that there's going to be 33. Oh, we'll uh, get, yeah, we'll, we'll get one. It's just a matter of is it going to be a, a, a third McLaren or is Yunkos going to lease their chassis to somebody? So, you know, but, but, but we can talk about who's not going to run it. So we know it's not going to be Beth Peretta. We're pretty sure it's not going to be Top Gun because I think they're, they're a little late at this uh, point in time. Yeah, uh, and Stanch know. Racing is fully committed to the Cup program with Carso Marquez. Right. Then the only other ones you can really look at here, maybe putting a program together in conjunction with Yukos, or maybe um, you know these guys that are aligned with um, Stefan Wilson, uh, or maybe even um, this uh, Will Mariotti who keeps saying he has a driver, but we have no idea who it is. Um, but you know, again, Will has. Says he has a driver and some money, but doesn't have 
you know, a car, a crew, a shop, uh, those sort of things. But Yunkos does. So if what with whatever Mariotti has money wise and driver wise is palatable uh, to Yunkos, that might work. Uh, but again, I, I don't think Mariotti has the, uh, the, the as much money as uh, as we think. I think when he has, he has some money, I think it's pretty much he just got some money uh, and then still needs another lifeline from somebody or somewhere or a sponsor to step up. So, but uh, yeah, somebody will put a 33rd car in uh, and, you know, Miles will see to that. I mean, it's just like in the back in the days, Tony, you know, Tony George, I got stuck at 32. He'd write a check and mail it to Buddy Lazier. So. Yeah. Or kind of, isn't that what got Paul Trace, Paul Tracy back for Edmonton through Tony George? I believe so. Yeah. I mean, they were, I mean, Tony George helped, uh, Al Jr. get his first ride in the IRL. I mean, Tony was, uh, when he first took over the series, you know, trying to get the names in there and these, these sort of things and, and boost the, boost the, uh, fields and whatnot. He, uh, a lot of his own money, uh, went to different teams and whatnot to help them with sponsors or to help them, uh, field a car. So, yeah. Um, but Tony's out of the picture, but you know, at Rogers, a lot less apt to spend his own money. Uh, for those sort of things. And, and Rogers also adamant that they're going to run their three cars um, run lean like that. And they're, they're adamantly not going to add a, add a fourth car, uh, even though, you know, he does own the series in the speedway. So that car is going to come from elsewhere. Not to say that Roger may not help somebody financially um, or, but I don't, I don't believe he's going to help anybody with a spare car and, and crew members like he did with uh, Peretta last year. Yeah, it's pretty much set in a stone that, yeah, that's the reason why Paredes were Carper this year compared to Penske the year before. And it's right. kind of been in talks for a while, too. And it's also a neat, pro- neat pro- progress for it because obviously Ed is from Ed being indie grown and all of that. It makes, it makes sense over time, the connection, especially how good their, their car are in terms of race speed. But we'll, for road courses, it'll be a curious one to see how they pan out. Simona has no secret been has had success on road courses. I mean, the last time she drove one, I think she might have got a top five in, in 20, for Andretti, too. Let's not forget. Didn't she get a podium at one point in time? I I thought so with Andretti, I, but that I, was I, Justin I, I, Wilson. Um I don't know, maybe not. Yeah, but but I think it was she, at an oval, though. She has some good runs with Andretti. Um, and she's had a lot of really great runs in sports cars too. Let's not forget that. It's not. It's not as if she's been sitting on the shelf not racing. You know, she's uh, she's won several sports car races in between the, her last time being in an Indy car. So, all right. So now, now we're well out of time in overtime. So it's time for the green white check. And so I want to thank the Hoobazoo Radio Network. I want to thank iHeartRadio, Spreaker. Google Podcasts and YouTube. I want to thank Dan Blay Automotive Art. I'm sorry, Dan Blay Racing Art. Find them on Facebook. Get your custom diecast car. I want to thank Mark Dill and the legend of the super first super speedway. Uh, you can find him first superspeedway.com. Find him online, order a copy of his book, and uh, look through the historical records on that site there if you're a, a racing history buff. I want to thank you, Richard. I want to thank you, Louise. I want to thank you, folks. They listen to us every week, but until what next week, good night.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 